Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 88 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you found the show. And I know that there's a few of you who are new. I've had the privilege of being on two podcasts recently. One of them was Dietitians Unplug with Glennis Oyston and Aaron Flores. It's a fabulous podcast. And also another great one with Paige Smathers. It's called Nutrition Matters. And I was talking about my work with PCOS and helping people who have that condition to also make peace with food. Because really, honestly, everyone, no matter what they are struggling with, deserves to feel at home in their own skin and is the expert of their body. Well, I have a letter today from someone who is struggling with a few chronic illnesses that are really, really big. (laughs) Big meaning they are complicated, they are painful, and they're really getting in the way with her making peace with food. And I actually got this letter a long time ago, and I just kind of have been sitting with it. And I really want this person to have some solutions, but like she is going to spell out for you in a second when you listen to it, it's really complicated. And actually what I did, instead of answering it all by myself, I gave someone who's really big in the intuitive eating conversation a call. Her name's Elise Resch. Her name probably rings a bell because she is the co-author of Intuitive Eating. She is delightful, compassionate, and of course, so very wise. I can't wait for you to hear her wise words about how to make peace with food when you're struggling with a chronic illness. Before we get to today's letter, a word from our sponsor. All this talk about chronic illness brings up the point that I want to make with you. Even if you are experiencing PCOS, you can make peace with food. You can experience all the joy and freedom that intuitive eating can bring to your life. And I want to help. Go to PCOSandfoodpeace.com to get to my roadmap for you. It's called Your First Three Steps Toward Food Peace with PCOS. And if you're listening to this when it's this episode is being released, within the next week, I'm going to be having a very cool free mini training. It's actually three videos to show you some more how to make peace with food with PCOS. How do you get there? Just go to PCOSandfoodpeace.com and you'll get right to it. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this week's letter and hear from the fabulous Elise Fresh. Dear Food, I've always had a hard relationship with you. Growing up, my mother was very strict. She never had any junk foods in the house and would always prevent us from seconds if she thought we were overeating. I remember feeling fat when I was in the second grade. As I got older, my relationship with you only got worse. When I got a driver's license, I would go out to buy peach rings 
eat them in the car, and then put them in my neighbor's trash can so my mom wouldn't know that I ate them. By the time I was 18, I was significantly heavy. My pediatrician told me I had to lose weight. Before I went to college, I forced myself to eat clean and constantly exercised. I managed to lose off the weight, but only gained it back again my sophomore year. This 20-pound cycle existed for four years. Gaining, losing, gaining, losing. Loving you, hating you. Loving you, hating you. My senior year of college, everything changed. And for the worst, my health became my biggest concern but not because of my weight or relationship with food. I had uncontrollable vomiting and was diagnosed with a rare motility disorder. It's called rapid gastric emptying. I couldn't eat anything more than a fistful of food every two hours. I lost a lot of weight and way too quickly. Once I was better, I went on steroids that made me extremely hungry. I gained all the weight back. And again, I entered this distressful relationship with food. I hungered for you so much. I was so happy to have lost the weight, even though it was in extreme circumstances, but I was so mad at myself for overeating you and gaining it back. Unfortunately, I had even more ahead of me. While I was being diagnosed with my stomach disorder, doctors found out that I have celiac disease. This means that I cannot eat any gluten. It was likely the same infection that caused my stomach disorder that activated my celiac. From the point of diagnosis, I could never have a piece of real bread or pasta again. Now, I have an even more distressful relationship with you. Every time I eat, I'm scared you'll get me sick. I'm trying so hard to eat intuitively and know when I'm full. I feel like I don't know when I'm full until I'm sick, full to my stomach. My relationship with food has always been deprivation and binging. I don't know what moderate fullness feels like. Even worse, I can't get myself out of the diet mindset because I'm not allowed to. I am never allowed to eat wheat again for the rest of my life. I find myself binging on gluten-free pasta and bread and gluten-free Oreos because I crave the real ones and I'm so sad I am restricted from them. Intuitive eating says I shouldn't restrict, but that doesn't work for me. What else can I do? Oh, food. I can stop constantly thinking of you. Doctors still say I should lose weight, but how? I want to wake up from this nightmare. Now that I have to manage two chronic illnesses, having to also think about my weight is just too burdensome. Can you help reach peace in all of this? To learn intuitive eating, to trust my body, and to love it even though it keeps hurting me. I don't feel like we are working together. Food, My body and my mind are in a constant turf work. I am in a constant battle, and I don't know who should win. Love, Chronic Warrior. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. And wow, that sounds so complicated and tough and I really don't have an easy peasy answer. And actually, I've been thinking for a really long time about how to answer you. I've gotten your letter a while ago, and I keep reading it and rereading it. You mentioned intuitive eating and struggling to really want to make it work, but there's this big old but (laughs) that is there. 
sort of mocking you and taunting you and torturing you. So I actually want to give someone really special in the intuitive eating conversation. We're going to call Elise Resch. And actually, as I say her name, I'm kind of nervous because Elise Resch is one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating. I had the privilege of interviewing Evelyn Triboli, the other co-author of Intuitive Eating on the Love Food Podcast. She's already a friend of the podcast. And so now I get to talk to Elise Resch. And I have a feeling she's going to really have some insight on how to address this. And I also think she's going to know that you can do this. She's going to believe that you can make intuitive eating work for you, that you too are the expert of your body. So let's give Elise a call. Hi, Julie. Nice to talk to you. Hey, Elise. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And I cannot wait to dive in to this letter. Have you had a chance to to read it? Yes, I did look at it. And there's a lot, a lot in there. There is sure. a lot for sure. And, and I, I think the thing that struck me, and actually I have to tell you, I got this letter a while ago and I've been sitting on it because mm. it's, it's very, she has a lot of complications, but there's something about it that is not very uncommon either. I feel like we're not these purists walking around with just like one thing that we got. We usually have a couple different things we're juggling. And, and I, I do firmly believe, and I I think you will too, that we all are the experts of our body. You know, we all can make peace with food. So I'm dying to, to hear what, what's your impression about what this letter writer is experiencing? Well, I think the first thing that hit me is the feeling of her betrayal. She feels that she has been betrayed throughout her life. Her mother betrayed her in terms of, you know, forbidding her from eating the food she wanted to eat. Her pediatrician betrayed her, telling her she had to lose weight, which means you're not okay the way you are. And then her body started to betray her with the vomiting disorder that she had and now being diagnosed with celiac. So her trust in the world, I think, is diminished by all of these betrayals. And I think it begins there. So that was was what hit me first. You know, I never put that word on it. And I, maybe that's why I was feeling so stuck because, uh, Mm. betrayed is that just hits it right on the head. You know, that, that, that really, it, it kind of shows us how, um, if there's a foundation of that distrust from being betrayed or feeling betrayed, how it can make things so much more complicated. Well, yes. And because intuitive eating is um, about body trust, it's about, you know, knowing that you're born with this wisdom and that you can uh, get reconnected with it and trust your body to tell you, you know, what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat, what feels good. And how can she trust her body when she hasn't been able to trust it? And so I think the beginning part of the work has to be an acknowledgement of what she has gone through and then helping her with compassion for what she's been through. She's had quite a lot to deal with. And, um, and then I was thinking after that to help her get into gratitude for the fact that her body healed from the first problem, from the vomiting problem. And the celiac disease is something that she will have to live with and maybe shift it from what she can't have to what she really can have and loves to eat. 
I had a 16-year-old boy many years ago who had been diagnosed with celiac, and, and we just focused on, yeah, I can eat potato chips, and I can eat popcorn in the movies, and I can eat french fries, oh boy, versus <laughs> here are all the foods you can't have anymore. Oh, and I, yeah. I think that that would help shift it a bit. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts, though, in terms of how she can reconcile the principles of intuitive eating with what she's going through as well. Oh, well, would you be willing to share with those those with us? Because, oh, sure. yeah, because um, I'm that was my gut instinct. I'm like, she can she can work towards intuitive eating, too. You know, she can do so much of that work. And why can't she still be the expert of her body? You know, so I'm so glad well, that we're on the same page with that. But I would love to know. Yeah. How would you reconcile it? Well, see, I think there's a misconception by many people about intuitive eating. They think it's just the tongue, whatever my tongue wants, then I'm going to eat. And now, because her tongue might want foods with gluten in it, and she can't eat gluten anymore, here's the betrayal again. And I think to help her understand that the tongue isn't the only part of the body, we want to look at so many other aspects of wisdom the body has. So her body doesn't feel well when she eats something with gluten, besides just the diagnosis of it. It, it, if she really were to pay attention without judgment, she would just not feel well. And to be able to say, okay, um, my tongue may want this. My body is so wise, it's telling me that I'm not going to feel good as well as, of course, the doctor's telling her that it's damaging for her. And so taking it to the, the actual de- definition of intuitive eating is the dynamic interplay of instinct, emotion, and thought. And so the instinct part comes from the reptilian era when the reptiles, the the dinosaurs, all they had was instinct. It was instinct to survive. And so they would just eat when they saw a smaller animal and they didn't have any feelings about it. They didn't have any thoughts about it. Uh, And then when we evolved into mammals, um, another layer of brain functioning uh, developed and that was the limbic brain or the mammalian brain. And that's the seed of emotion and social behaviors. But what differentiates cats and dogs from us is that they can't articulate what they're feeling. They have feelings. I mean, if you have an animal, you know that that animal has feelings, but they can't articulate it. So then we became humans and we have the neocortex and the uh, ability to have rational thought. So if she can look at intuitive eating as these three parts, she might have she she could start trusting the instinct of hunger eventually. You know, she's probably having problems with it right now, but hunger is an instinct. Her taste buds may give her an instinct, and then she has to be able to deal with the emotions that come up when she can't, um, her, her body won't be able to handle what her taste buds might want, and then use her rational thought to comfort herself, to be able to come in and say, yeah, this is tough. I've been through a lot. I'm healing now. And yes, I have celiac and I am so grateful I don't have this vomiting disease anymore. And I'm so grateful that I can eat French fries Uh, and, you know, shift it that way. I think it's going to be um, the beginning of her being able to embrace intuitive eating without thinking, well, you know, it says I can eat whatever I want and now I can't eat whatever I want because of the celiac. And so here I'm betrayed again by intuitive eating, you know, a further Mm. betrayal. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I think what you mentioned too is is a really important how you said the assumption is that intuitive eating is just about the tongue. And um, I feel like that's the this big kind of stumbling point or when I want to jump into the TV screen when people are talking about intuitive eating and, uh-huh. and they're doing it incorrectly. I'm like, no, that's it's not it's not about that, just that. It's there's mm-hmm. so much more to it. It has so right. much more depth. And uh, we're not these 
primitive kind of uh, animals that you were dinosaurs. talking about. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not, not the dinosaurs. We're not that. Yeah, and we're we. You're so much more into this whole body kind of connection, and when you go through those distinct areas, that is more holistic, and that's what, how you and Evelyn have always intended it to be. So, um, I think if anything, it sounds like intuitive eating and those kind of concepts, it can really help her to, it may be like one of the better ways than even to heal. I'm going to say the best, but you know, (laughs) but I feel like it's a way for her to really um, individually be able to know what's the next best step for her. And outside of all these like generic recommendations and things that we may find, you know, that's the thing I love about intuitive eating. It's like using your body to help guide you and your um, education, your intellect, using everything to make the be- next best step for you, you know, and the tongue and the tongue. It's part of it. But and, it's well, yeah, well, yeah, it's part of it. And yeah, like, but I feel like that it incorporates that piece too. Like, because, yes. um, that's a, you know, I always feel like healthy eating includes pleasure. There needs to be that part in oh. there. <laughs> in yeah. fact, the driving force of intuitive eating for me and all the work I've been doing for 35 years is, um, Seeking satisfaction and pleasure in eating, which mm-hmm. most people uh, have a very hard time with. They feel guilty when they eat foods that are satisfying. They feel like some people feel that they don't deserve it. Um, but when we can get people to understand that we have a right to have delicious food, we have a right to feel good when we eat, we have a right to enjoy our food, it really helps them um, deal with the other aspects of intuitive eating. For example, if um, if you're looking at hunger, if you go into a meal ravenous where you have not honored hunger for many, many hours, you cannot get as much pleasure in the food because you're just shoveling it into, you know, you're into primal hunger and you're shoveling it in just to keep that brain from uh, feeling you're in starvation versus if you aren't hungry at all, it's not as pleasurable. So it helps people learn to look for moderate hunger so they can get the most satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I could go through all the principles. I know we don't have time, but show you how they're all connected to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to to satisfaction. Well, I'm glad, well, it is. And I'm glad you brought it up because um, this letter writer brought up that piece about feeling like she's constantly either deprived or binging which made me think about that part of intuitive eating. Like, oh, I wonder how often she is experiencing pleasure with food or with anything else. Well, right. And she's she's so um, taken with what she can't have. That's why I was saying before, looking at what she can have. So it puts her in that realm of deprivation. And those feelings of deprivation, of course, are always going to send her off to, uh, to binge, to overdo because she's always feeling like she doesn't have what she wants. She doesn't have enough and she won't get to, you know, she won't get to have what she wants. So when she finds something like these new gluten-free products, which is so interesting because all those years ago when I was working with some people with celiac, there were no products around. They had to mail away to some place in (laughs) the Midwest to, you know, get some horrible tasting bread. So now there's so many options and she's going to the gluten-free ones, but she doesn't really feel free because what she really wants is the ones that aren't gluten-free and she's trying to get some satisfaction in the others and not even tasting them and binging on them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, there's a lot here in this letter um, that could lead to healing by just shifting her mentality on things. Mm-hmm. Are there some steps that you haven't mentioned that you find for, helpful for people when they're really just starting to dip their toe into that permission to, to like have that compassion and to feel like it's okay to have 
pleasure with my eating? Like, is, are there some first steps or kind of well, mantras that you like to, to well, start with? Interestingly, I kind of, um, this is my image. I kind of take all the intuitive eating principles and throw them up in the air and let them fall down and see which one sticks. And for <laughs> me, um, I mean, clearly we have to, you know, understand how dieting doesn't work, which is the primary one. But I really jump right into the satisfaction piece when I'm counseling people because um, it's fun, it's pleasurable, it's, you know, taste the food, really see if you like it, because people have so many misconceptions about, oh, no, I can't have it, but boy, would I love it. And as soon as they taste it, it's like, ah, that's really not Mm -hmm. what I thought it would be. And as I just mentioned, it can affect all the other principles of intuitive eating, the hunger, the fullness, eating with emotion, um, being angry at your body. There's so many things that uh, if you're really focused on satisfaction, it helps go through the other principles more smoothly. So I, I, I definitely start with that. And I the, probably in every session uh, or just about every session, first session, I work on compassion because most people come in angry at themselves for failing, failing on diets, feeling bad about their bodies. And um, helping them understand that whatever they've done, it's the best they could do at the time. And to understand, one of my favorite phrases is, we don't do anything for no good reason. And to understand that whatever they've done with their eating, with their bodies in relation to eating, has been as a way to cope. And so now is the time to take a look at some of the misconceptions, the old ways of thinking, and shift them. And at the same time, have compassion for Uh, what you've been through, and that if you had been able to do it differently in an easier way for yourself, you would have, but you didn't know how. So now's the time, you know, now's the time to learn that. Mm, So mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, to me, that's the most important piece is the compassion and then the moving to satisfaction in terms of the intuitive eating principles. Well, then I hope this letter writer does that. Like she allows for Um, lots of connection with compassion and maybe even purposely seeks out more compassion, more self-compassion and specifically to help her as she like starts this next part of her journey for sure. And, you know, we have something, a part of this show, Elise, called the Food Peace Syllabus. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast, it's a collection of blog posts, podcasts, books, anything that can further help with a person's food peace journey. And would you like to add anything to it? Yes, I would. There's uh, a book that I read way back in, probably read it in the early 80s. It's uh, Fat is a Feminist Issue by Susie Orbach, who, by the way, was uh, Princess Diana's therapist Mm -hmm. in England. And um, it was the first time I read about uh, being able to eat what you want and, you know, to not have restrictions, to not diet, that diets don't work, and then looking at the emotions of eating. And it was profound. And I think it was the beginning of that, you know, that kernel inside of me that led me ultimately to um, being able to write into, you know, be a co-author to into uh, of intuitive eating. Uh, and I'm one of those um, early feminists in the in the 70s. And so she really, you know, struck a chord with me. I was, I subscribed to Ms. Magazine the first time it came out and still do. And so I think that's a really important book for anybody to read um, before you even get into why don't diets, you know, mm-hmm. why diets don't work. And then leading to that to The Secrets from the Eating Lab by Tracy Mann. Tracy was a researcher at UCLA, I believe, and 
she did a study of uh, over 30 diets over a period of five years looking at, you know, the efficacy of diets. And the conclusion was diets don't work. People regain the weight. Most of them gain more weight back. And, and uh, Secrets from the Eating Lab really goes through all of this and gives some foundation for why diets don't work. So that would be that would be the second thing. And then, um, of course, if I toot my own horn, the new intuitive eating workbook, I think is going to be a really valuable resource for people. It, it takes you from a place of just understanding intuitive eating to understanding yourself to actually going through exercises that help you reflect on all the parts of intuitive eating and your own psyche and your own feelings and your approach to life. And I have a piece in there. I put a graphic of something I call the spiral of healing, which, um, just looks kind of like a spring going upward. And I say that this is the model for the work. It's that when you look at the spiral, there's a, it, it comes back around itself. And those little, you know, pieces that go back around, people look at them as regression. And I look at it as learning, a learning opportunity. So I ask people to come from a place of curiosity, not judgment, and to be grateful for those times when they have old behaviors so that they can go back and look at it with, oh, this is interesting. How did that get set up? Was I over hungry? Was I still restricting? You know, those kinds of things. So there's, there's that in there. I have a section on what I call for the most part, which is, which are my four favorite words, um, (laughs) which is a way to approach life, which, which is not black and white. It's not dichotomous for the most part. Maybe you're going to want to eat foods that feel good in your body and you think are healthy. And sometimes you want jelly beans and great include them you know it's it's not that you only eat jelly beans and in fact if you gave yourself permission for that you'd really probably be craving a salad after a while mm-hmm. so that's the truth that's true i think so many people can relate to that experience for sure um well and elise i love all those books i mean i think those are all um been really important and of course the intuitive eating workbook is this newer one that um seriously we've been like dying for <laughs> You know, like we, oh, and, you. and I'm so glad you you two put that effort into it because it exactly what you said. I feel like it went from this theory to, oh, this is how I'm going to use it for me. You know, and I, I yeah. And to really whet your appetite a little more, I am in the process right now of writing an intuitive eating workbook for teens. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it'll be a while. These books take forever. I think I <laughs> I tweeted when before the other one, the last one came out. Uh, it's like uh, an elephant's gestation. It's 22 months to get a book out from the beginning of signing your contract until it actually comes out. But it will be out eventually. And I think it's uh, it's going to be a really an accessible piece for younger people. So Well, and no one can see it right now, but I'm doing a little happy dance. I'm really excited oh. that you're doing the, the book for teens. That is <laughs> another you. one that we've been yearning for. I uh, appreciate all of those resources and your wisdom for this letter writer. And thank you for like all your work, intuitive eating, if I hadn't read it, actually, I I wouldn't be a dietitian anymore because I was leaving the profession to become a mental health counselor. And the dietitian who was taking over my position at this clinical job, she's like, "Um, oh, yeah, you should read intuitive eating first. (laughs) So I was like, okay. And so then I read it. I'm like, oh, wait, so there are people who think there's another way and they have a book. So (laughs) I need to stay in it. Great. Yes. Great. So that thank actually you. happened with my associate in my office who was about to quit. And I took her out to dinner and told her all about this and changed her life. So, yeah, yeah we're very great. grateful for you. And um, yeah, many people appreciate the work. And so if someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about you, what's the best way for the, someone to do that? 
To learn more about me, I have a website, which is EliseResch.com, and I have talks I've given and podcasts I've given, and we'll put this one on too, and and uh, my own biography and my feelings about intuitive eating. So there's a lot of information on there. I actually have a, a link to a piece that I call Words of Wisdom. After all these years of living and working, I have some uh, little tips that I think will help people. So that's to get to know me better. And if you really want to contact me, my email address is uh, illysresh at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, we'll put links to uh, all of those, including those resources. And I'm going to find those words of wisdom and put a link to that too. And so so then anybody can just click on it. They don't have to write anything down as they're listening. So yes. Well, and thank you again for your time and your expertise. This letter writer is going to be thrilled to hear your insight. So have a great day. Thank you for the opportunity, Julie. It's been great. Take care. So there you have it, letter writer. I hope the words from Elise Resch are helpful. I got to tell you, it was such a joy to speak with her. And I could sense that she would make a wonderful nutrition therapist. She um, has such a warm presence, even over the phone. So thank you, Elise, for your time. And thank you, Letter Writer, for your letter. I certainly hope it does help point in the direction that you need for further healing. I see that food has written back. And before we get to hear what food has to say, Chronic Warrior, be sure to check out my resource for those of you with PCOS and yearning for a way to live without diets. Go to pcosandfoodpeace.com, get my free roadmap, and it's called Your First Three Steps Towards Food Peace with PCOS. And if you're listening in September of 2017, you can also get connected to my mini training on how to help heal your relationship with food with PCOS. All right, enough about that. Let's get to our letter from food. And until then, take care. Dear Chronic Warrior, Our road together has been complicated and messy. Reappreciate yet again, you feel betrayed. First, it was by your mom, then your pediatrician, then your body, then intuitive eating, and now we food. We hope you seek out daily self-compassion and let yourself know you're doing as best you can to move forward. No matter how messy, or how many times you slip into another binge, you are still moving up the spiral. Trust your mind and body as it communicates pleasure and pain. Shift your focus to how far your body has come to heal its distress. Know that you have the wisdom already and your body is so very grateful for your love, your respect, and your compassion. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.